0: innovation is in our veins soon the whole world will know our names sharing our knowledge and freedom reign we give for the people you know it's our way setting foundations is part of the dream it doesn't matter if you're new to the game listen up now because we all gonna say Ugh. elevate 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 higher elevate 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 higher we gon' rise up
1: we gonna shine. Work Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, everyone. It's so great to have you all on one more time. It's your boy Josh and Reg, and we're grateful to be back on with you yet again. Uh, we are virtual because we got quite a bit of snow out here uh, in Nova Scotia, and uh, oh my gosh, I was busting my back trying to get that thing, get that snow cleared. Uh, but today we will be talking about what's kind of currently transpiring here in Canada with politics, uh, talking about just how the level of vitriol between the conservative and liberal side is just surmounting and growing more and more by the week. And then as well, be we kind of talking about what's happening beyond our borders, uh, what's going on in other countries. And again, the same similar type of fights that are happening in these other countries with right versus left. And it'll be an interesting one. Reg, how you feeling, big dog?
2: Feeling good. I'm feeling like I still have not shoveled my driveway. It's been nonstop since seven o'clock this morning with uh, work and with other commitments. So, yeah, I'm glad we're virtual tonight, just because it's been it's been a wild day looking out there, and it hasn't stopped snowing until now. So, <laughs> but uh, we we love to see it, and I know that uh, we're not going to keep this until Christmas. But
1: uh, I, I am a sucker for a white December. All right, well, let's get jump, jump right on into it here. So. Kind of big things are kind of happening here in the country where we actually had a journalist uh, appear before another American U.S. committee down in Washington, D.C., uh, having conversations that aren't really being had up here with our current government, which is uh, quite interesting. So we have Rupa, who um, just tweeted out how she's uh, she said that i'm struck by the fact that after my testimony yesterday before the judiciary gop weaponization on the erosion of free speech in canada several american news outlets both large and small reached out to me it's striking that not a single canadian media house has reached out not a single canadian journalist has even privately shared their views with me whether to agree or disagree this perfectly exemplifies my point that large sections of the legacy canadian media have basically basically become a handmaiden of the of the state which provides them financial sucker so that actually
2: surprised me because i was surprised that um national post didn't actually reach out to them because they usually are more of a a center um sometimes center right um uh, news outlet so for them to not even reach out i i was surprised by that i don't know if it just fell off their radar or what or if it was more of the same of just where it's just not being covered or if it's being covered it's being suppressed
1: so mm-hmm. yeah and i think i the thing i found interesting as well uh i think similar point but really there was only one media outlet out here that covered it and it was oh rebel news <laughs> on the case <laughs> you know and uh and it's just it's comical right and but like this like it was a very important discussion we'll kind of post the link of her six minute soliloqu- soliloquy uh in front of the committee uh, but she kind of laid out what's kind of happened here over the last three years, uh, the issues of just suppression of uh, the, of speech. Uh, she said something along the lines of over 800 Canadians have had their bank accounts frozen. Uh, many have also been debanked altogether just simply because we weren't holding the same opinion as our leader. And then goes on to kind of what's been happening with the media and like, you know, what Facebook's done in response, what Google's done in response, but since has uh, cut a deal of a hundred million dollars uh, with the Canadian government. So now we will see Google news back in Canada again. It's all these things where it's just a lot of like kind of fake propping up of our media in general up here. And what's going to happen moving forward. If they don't toe the party line, who's going to get access to that hundred million dollars from Google, you know? I'd be curious yeah that's that's a big question I have is when I saw that that they had actually reached
2: the agreement for the hundred million my thought was who is getting that money like is that something that the government is going to dole out to their favorites and you know the people who are gonna only produce what they want to hear or is that actually going to be fairly distributed amongst all media outlets and what counts as a media outlet does rebel news count as a media outlet or is that you know not considered? um government approved media you know what i mean so it's just it it begs the question because like sure they signed the the deal for 100 million but like for who for what and you know is that further you're just going to divide the gap between um the legacy media that supports the government and those who oppose because now if you've got 100 million at your disposal to hire the best reporters the best editors um the best uh people to design videos and multimedia to go on different platforms like how do you compete with that so it's
1: it's wild <laughs> i don't know I'd, i i don't i don't think it's going to do anything personally um i i for example i take our show for example who's primarily on tiktok uh and, and youtube mm-hmm. we We have we have comparable numbers to some of these media outlets, believe it or not. This shows you how bad they're performing. Um, This show absolutely sucks, but I'm grateful (laughs) y'all listen to it all the time. Uh, But people listen, you know, and but it just shows where people are just starving for what's actually happening in the world. A take on that is different from what they're seeing in legacy media. And what do we see in the the CBCs of the world have seen what upwards of a billion dollars of funding something along those lines. Oh yeah um, you know or at least dispersed among the different media outlets in this country. As you said, a hundred million can be dispersed to you know to get the best meet uh, the best journalists, X, y and Z things. but they've had over a billion dispersed and the content still sucks. They're, they're still not good. They're not attracting any eyeballs. No one actually cares about them. No one believes them. And that's what I've even found interesting with the literal, we talked about last week, the liberal attack ads and the things that they're saying. Anyone, any liberal that comes out and we all know is lying, they get ratioed so quickly. Mm-hmm any media outlet that comes out and we know they're lying gets ratioed real quickly. Like people are rejecting this stuff. And I think I, I what I believe is the Trudeau government is funding a losing battle and a losing cause. They know they're done. Um, and they keep trying to kind of, they think they have a handle and a pulse over the narrative uh, in this country. And they do to a point, but they're losing it more and more by people just a, because of what he does and because of what the media has done and propping him up, people have left legacy media more and more every year to the point where only a, a very small amount actually listen and care now. Right. And it's interesting because I just think about to the fact that maybe it's
2: not even that they're blatantly lying or if they're picking select truth um, to speak on like that lovely mm-hmm. graph we covered, you know, a while back that they put out. Um, I think people are just, they're tired of listening to everything's rosy, everything's okay. Like when you listen to Freeland actually speak at the House of Commons when she was releasing the economic report and she was like, Canada is not broken. It's never been broken and it's not broken now either. And it's like, that is so out of touch. Like maybe it's not broken for you because you're being very well funded and supported. But for the average Joe, it certainly feels broken. And so, I yeah, I just I think it's just this out of touch um, narrative that they're peddling. So whether or not it's even incorrect or just you know supporting the government, it's just it doesn't feel like it connects with the average person. It feels like it's just somebody speaking in platitudes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and even so, like I even appreciate even left wing media. Uh, uh, personalities who are at least are trying to be honest i i may disagree with their stances but like even those are, who are just trying their best to be honest i have i have time for i'll take time for um it's just people as you said who deal in half truths or outright lie outright lie um people they can tell it now they know what's going on they they look what's happening in the streets to see all the tents popping up and then to see someone like freeland get on cbc and say nothing's it, life as a canadian has never been better there's like, well, if these ten cities weren't here six years ago, eight years ago, what are you talking about? Things have never been better. Mm-hmm. You're saying our economic statement is is looking good. From what I've heard, we just entered an official recession. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> oh, banks are now having to deal with more delinquencies. Well, that's different. That's now happening. Like you kind of start hearing more of this stuff through the financial media, and it doesn't really line up with the budget report and the housing report and all the things that are currently coming out of our government and the stuff that keeps being pushed from these different media entities, it goes back to, it doesn't really matter how much money the funding they get. They're, they're done. Yeah. They're done. If you don't have anything that's actually worth sound, like or showing it's, it, it falls flat on its face. And like we, as a show, we've experienced that multiple times where we're covering stuff that just people don't care about and do you know what happens oh magically viewership goes down listenership goes down uh that's just kind of how things work so I, I think at the end of the day the the timing of eventually uh, what i think is only a matter of time of poly government comes in it pulls all that funding it'll be very interesting to see who sinks and swims and uh see how how see what these established news outlets end up doing I mean I'm
2: I'm down to see anything different than what I'm currently seeing right now in the House of Commons. I don't think I've watched more question period than I have in the past month and it's it's wild. I like I knew it was a circus before, but then it was like a circus that I didn't have to listen to and now I actually have to listen to it because it's getting so bad that we can't afford to not pay attention. And so, yeah, watching that happen, I'm just like how are we paying these people how do they represent us like
1: this is wild <laughs> absolutely well i guess it kind of takes us well into our next segment here where we are as we talked about at the beginning of the show where we're just seeing such a divide and the vitriol and then in the narratives and the things that are being said are just getting crazier the lies are getting crazier the half truths are getting crazier and it's getting to the point where even for me uh, we were talking about before the show I'm getting concerned as just a regular old Canadian where I've never seen this type of vitriol in our political class ever. Yeah. I, things have been said before. People sworn at each other. But the just the character assassination happening across the aisle is just mind-blowing and not been happy to see it. Yeah. It's just so wild, like, listening to these people speak. You're just like,
2: um, the it's the language that they're using. And I know that, it, like we had said before, um, you know, this is something that they are telling us um, is coming from the different publicists and the different um, editors behind the scenes. And, you know, this is a word that's going to resonate with people. And both sides are guilty of it. I listened to Pierre Polyev's um, mini documentary, and he uses all the buzz buzzwords like every time he says you know things have doubled double trouble and i'm like man like you know you don't have to say that like we get it (laughs) but then like you just have to wonder like what is being written for these leaders um when they read it and it comes out so terribly like double trouble is one thing but then like like this speech that you're about to show just I can't believe that actually passed. I can't believe anybody said, this is a good idea. Let's say this out loud.
1: Yeah. And and I'll get into it here. So this is a video kind of popped up again on social media this past week. And admittedly, it got past me this time last year. This was at the press gallery dinner in Ottawa uh, in November of 2022. And just keep in mind what happened in 2022. Uh, There was a big old protest that happened in Ottawa earlier that year. And bank accounts are frozen, cops are called, skulls are smashed, and uh, and that was all done. And so it just kind of put yourself back into where things were at in 2022, where you were, how you're feeling. Uh, and now we're here hitting the end of 2022. And our prime minister gets up in front of our press gallery here and and utters these words and what i'm about to show you is about is a minute 40 of highlights from his 20 minute speech we'll also link the full speech in the show notes uh, but for the sake of time this is what he said and uh here we go
3: when the conservative party looked at the ottawa occupation they thought this is an expression of righteous anger and we must support them but liberals We looked at a group of people with a written agreement to overthrow the government, and we said, great idea, get Meat on the phone. I, myself, spent a lot of time this year surrounded by honking and wailing. I don't know what their deal was, but the geese and loons at Harrington just wouldn't shut up. But I have to admit, I have learned a lot since 2015. Now, instead of having to apologize and take responsibility for Whatever it is, whenever something goes wrong, I adopted new approaches. Because yes, the summer had its ups and downs, and downs, and not just the bungee jump. We all remember my scandal at the Finnish Embassy. Oh, actually, no, you don't remember that, because I got my hair cut that weekend. Of course, supply chain snarls and global inflation are hitting people hard. So we apologize if the meat was tough tonight, or if you, chip a tooth on a bread roll. But I swear we will eventually have a dental plan for you at some point. Last summer, Pierre told his pal Jordan Peterson that he's a quote, believer in using simple Anglo-Saxon words. I know, I didn't get it either, but I'm told it sounds much better in the original German.
1: all right reg give me your take your your take thing words that are first coming to mind after you see you see that just out of touch the audacity
2: just like it's just exemplifies exactly how he's led this country where he doesn't he doesn't care he's so out of touch with the average person and when he was talking about like the so-called righteous anger. It's like they actually study um, anger across societies. And there's a recent report that was put out where they measured the level of anger in Canadian society. And it's through the roof. Like it's at unprecedented levels right now. Um, And he just doesn't get it. Like he does not get it at all. Like, Like I said, out of touch, audacious, just he thinks that he's done no wrong and i just look at it i'm like man you're psychotic like you are so far removed from people and just everybody who doesn't agree with you it it doesn't matter you're nazi it's just it's wild it's like actually is it borderlines like a problem with mental health like i just i wonder because i don't know how anybody could be that narcissistic to be that out of touch with the common individual and to not even be able to empathize with other people as to why they might be upset. Like just, yeah, absolutely. Just blows my mind. Is what it does. I I listened to that. I I actually went back and listened to it in its entirety, the whole thing. And I was just like, he's speaking obviously to a, a group of people who are, you know, his biggest supporters he's pandering. Um, but just, yeah i'm just i can't believe that he even said these things when he even when he even said about like i found a new way to deal with these problems i'm like yeah like running away to tofino or running away to toronto or running away to anywhere else besides actually dealing with the issue it's like yeah you found a new way to deal with it it's called not dealing with it <laughs> okay. but anyway yeah Uh oh. and he knows what he's doing he's like You wouldn't know about the scandal that happened to the Finnish Embassy because I got my hair cut. Ha, 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 ha. It's like, that's not funny. Like, that shows a very blatant gap in our reporting and keeping somebody accountable. But anyway, whatever. (laughs) We just need to get rid of them.
1: I just fired up tonight. I would love to see it. Uh yeah, I mean admittedly, uh I was listening to that in the car. I was me and Kelsey were about to hop into go to a, an appointment and but we got there a little early so I was just watching this on my phone. Kelsey's doing her thing on her phone. She just overheard the audio of this. And you know, after the first 30 seconds, 45 seconds, she looks over at me. She's like, "What's happening right now?" <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean?" She's like, she's like like that's really concerning rhetoric I, got, I don't like what i'm hearing i was like yeah that's our prime minister for you he does that very often <laughs> this is the stuff i've been worried about for a very long time uh and my very left-leaning wife was very concerned by what was coming out of his mouth Um, someone who is probably one of the most reasonable people that i know was like justin trudeau's gotta shut up immediately mm-hmm. and uh and that's kind of how I felt. I was kind of watching it, just doing I've been learning one thing I've been learning lately to do my best to try my best to listen first at all costs, especially during this heightened time of emotions. And I just sat there, just really do my best to not be emotional and how I was like listening to it and not reacting to what I was hearing. Listen to the whole thing. And then I took time, listened to the whole 20 minute thing before I came to any kind of conclusion or judgment on what I was hearing. Uh, just a heads up to anyone who do listen to the full 20 minutes it gets worse yeah. uh, listening to a lot of it in context makes it worse yeah <laughs> uh, i will admit and this is worse so the, more so the concern of just where the rhetoric is going so this was again this time last year that this happened now we've had a whole year of Polyev just railing on trudeau and his government not just for the sake of railing on him but really pointing out his clear, glaring faults, every which way you can. And it's making him and his administration, his cabinet, very uncomfortable to the point where I said it last week. The the Liberals have nothing else to, to give this current Canadian population. They have nothing they can do. They've worn everybody out. They've taxed everyone to death. And they claim they have solutions when they don't. And that's currently being called out by the conservative government, or sorry, the uh, the conservative party. And what is their reaction to the being called out? They call names. Yep. They make brutal assumptions. They make very uh, brutal comparisons just so that they can demonize the other side, which constantly, which adds to the divide that we're seeing on social media. Where we have people who even comment on our TikToks who just think we're so out to lunch and tr- Justin Trudeau is the best thing since sliced bread and that he's done nothing wrong. like It's it's very concerning. And then also on the right where you get people who are very, very angry and saying some very terrible things, which I also disagree with. Um, and it just gets this meter. As you said, everyone's just really angry and mm-hmm. unhappy. And, and when you start seeing it, in the house of commons you start seeing it happen with the leaders we're supposed to look up to who are supposed to be representing us when they're doing it we lose hope we lose uh control of our own emotions and we start going after the other side when we feel like we're in danger and the people who are supposed to be in control aren't in control people start losing their minds and that's what we're starting to see so where are we where are we heading josh where are we heading? all right so based on what i just said this is what i was talking about we start looking to those in who are in power mm-hmm. and we're going to go and, and do kind of a bit of a shift to what happened in house of commons last week where we had an mp off from the liberal side who said some pretty heinous things on the floor and it got a little dramatic
2: mr speaker it's said that you truly realize who your friends are when you need them most Well, the Conservatives made
1: it abundantly clear last week that they can't be trusted to support Ukraine, our friend and ally, when the chips are down. Last week, every Conservative voted against the Canada-Ukraine Free Trade
2: Agreement. It's a shocking new low for the Conservative Party of Canada. The leader of the Conservative Party is importing a MAGA brand, American-style politics into Canada, something that is not welcome in our country. Now they're tying themselves into knots in a feeble attempt to try to justify their shameful vote against a bill to help support the rebuilding of our friend and ally, Ukraine. Canada's support for Ukraine should have been unanimous in this House, but just like Donald Trump, the leader of the Conservatives, is cozying up to Russian dictator Vladimir Putin.
1: Ukraine, Ukrainian, Canadian Congress, and President. We'll stop that right there because essentially what ends up happening is he gets asked to withdraw, refuses to withdraw the first time, decides to withdraw a second time, and then obviously just just craziness ensues for the next two and a half minutes there. Uh, what cracked me up, though, when I was watching this initially was him saying that and then hearing the conservatives yell, Milton's going blue! <laughs> Milton's going blue! <laughs> 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 yeah, I
2: I know. I know. <sighs> And you know what, though? Like, honestly, that's probably what's going to happen because that's just ridiculous. And I love that the house speaker, too, is just like mute and then like tries to get everybody under control. And then he's like withdraw. And he's like, nope, not going to do it. And he's like mute again. <laughs> just, he is like the biggest fan of that mute button I've ever seen. <laughs> that's a question I'd actually like to talk to Jennifer L. about, actually. It's just like, have you ever seen a speaker ever? use the mute button as much as this house speaker has and then, like is it just a byproduct of like how ridiculous our parliament has gotten or is it just like this speaker because i think it's a little more column a than it is column b
1: mm. yeah it's a good... well there's just i mean this speaker's been suspect since day one yeah a the, the way he got the speakership in general, uh, and then two, he just like just we it, it's been so clear like we all know he's super liberal. He's he had he was a liberal MP and he doesn't really do a good job of masking, uh, his party affiliation, which is a very huge no no when it comes to that position. So it's just been this as, as you said at the beginning, this liberal government's got to go. Which we'll just clear everybody out. Let's get a hard reset. Uh, and just try to clean this all up is it's a mess yeah it's embarrassing too and it's funny because like some of the things i've been seeing
2: coming across um like my tiktok and and instagram and things like that is just we don't know in canada how the rest of the world sees us and when the rest of the world sees things like this these kind of clips they go what kind of crazy circus is canada right now <laughs> like we used to be like envy of the world like people would sew our flag to their coats and their book bags and things when they're traveling because we had such a good reputation. And now it's like they're ripping those flags off because it's an almost an embarrassment to be Canadian right now on the world stage. And uh, this is the kind of thing, like it starts, it starts with the government. I mean, we have a weak leadership and then we're going to be seen unfavorably. And then you're going to like, we had said this last time, I think you had even said this, Josh, where you're saying like, um, it starts at the top. If things aren't right at the top, it trickles all the way down uh, and vice versa. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they just have to go because for the sake of Canadian reputation, our livelihoods are just quality of life. They've got to go. And this kind of rhetoric is just example number 101 of like, reasons why this government is just ineffective in its job.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. And I guess I, I said, it's what concerns me. And this is the issue, right? This is what people kind of, call, uh, you know, would set about Trump on his way out. Um, I, you know, you can agree or disagree with those comments. I'll stick to the Canadian politics on this one. But when someone's on their way out, they try to wreck everything they can on their on their way down. And that's what we're seeing. Like, I hope we, I hope our country can make it to 2025. I don't know if we will at this rate. It just seems like every week it's getting crazier. And I, I hate to say, I don't, I don't want to say that on this show because I, I really want to at least give some hope and some encouragement that we can make this and we can get through it. But admittedly, admittedly, my own weakness and a point of weakness for me is that's a thought that's going through my mind right now. I've, I, it's been a tough week for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing what i've been seeing yeah it's it's hard i think that my hope
2: for it is just like with a reset of government i think that it resets people's um kind of mentality too I, they think about it like when you have a new year like people are like oh yeah you know they might fall into some of their same habits, but there is like a whole mindset shift where it's like, let's start new things, let's do new things, let's let's act in a different way. We'll at least try it. Sometimes the, the diets don't stick. Sometimes they do, but you know what I mean. Like I, that's where I kind of have hope is that if we can just either swallow the next year and a half until we get a proper election, or if other measures force an election, like if Singh would actually, you know. <laughs> vote against this government for once but you know what though like i say that and i don't even know if that would work because you know the bloc quebecois might come in and just prop up the government as well so it it feels like it's it feels it feels like we're the underdogs here because it's like if you don't want a conservative government or sorry not a conservative if you don't want a liberal government um you've got three to one here (laughs) where you have the um bloc quebecois Which, honestly, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I don't think that they should be a federal party. I think that you can't be a one province party. I think that's BS. I think that you should have candidates running in every single jurisdiction. And if not, you're just a provincial party or provincial interest group. The fact that they're a party just annoys me <laughs> and that's where like i've get i got my albert and friends be like yeah and i'm like no no no, don't you start with your wild rose party i know what you want to you would do it just the same way if you could <laughs> but uh true but yeah no it's it's funny but um but yeah so i just i think i have hope because i think that when we finally get an election and how that comes about i think that we'll see the the conservatives go in I worry about a conservative majority just because majorities are never usually good for the country um, because you want to force people to have to work together because ideally you want to bring the left and the right together and find a middle ground. That's, that's your ideal scenario. Um, But if Trudeau keeps on this war path that he's on they're they're going to give them a conservative majority just because of the just a ridiculous way that he's been changing government, stacking government in different ways um, and just trying to force
1: his way through. Yeah, he's a little tyrant. And uh, I think I hear you on the, we would love or prefer a minority so that both sides are coming to the table. Um, I would have agreed with that in 2014. (laughs) Um, But like things have been so pushed so far to one side that like we do i personally believe we need a super majority of the other side of this we need a steady diet for a bit try to get things realigned at the center and then we can get back to like maybe at some point working in a minority government where people can actually work with um uh what's the word i'm looking for just like good faith Yeah, mm-hmm. like right now if there's a minority government If if it was a conservative minority government like no one's working good faith on either side in that. It's just such a battle right now.
2: That's fair. So. That's fair. I I hear you on that. Um, so I guess maybe you know
1: conservative majority
2: with the following term being a conservative minority, which you know is typically yeah, could, how Canadian t- politics go anyway. Um, and then eventually that party gets voted
1: out because that's the cycle we're in. <laughs> but true. <laughs> Well, this goes this goes back to something I actually wanted to talk about. I forgot to kind of mention in the notes, but something: if I'm Pierre Poilievre, I'm getting voted in 2025. I'm serving my full term. We're going again, trying to get reelected. That the end of that second term, and just this is just me if I'm thinking of a politician who actually has Canadians best interests at heart which we know typically doesn't happen especially year after two or three terms um what i would do is i would instantly try to push through a an impeachment process in this country and then term limits for prime ministers in this country mm-hmm. you're gonna get voted out anyways set things up so that like we don't get caught in the, the this issue that we're currently in yeah I'm actually kind of curious. I want to know where
2: that um, that petition is right now for numbers.
1: I think they're at like 130,000, 140,000. I think I was gonna say when I look, you're you're so hopeful. I was hopeful. I was, you know, dude, yo, TikTok tore you up on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Did they? I was like, oh yeah, there's like, oh man, they ain't gonna do nothing. You dream on. That's kinda of essentially was the mentality. And I was like, oh Reg, he's so he so hopes and prays. And I was like, man, the internet was just ruthless on you. On I know, way. I find it funny because they're like, you know, that's not how Canadian politics
2: work. I'm like, no shit, Sherlock. Or sorry. <laughs> throwing in an expellative there. <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, obviously we're not gonna change government through a petition. I was like, the point is to show the anger of the Canadian public and show like the dissatisfaction with our current system. Like the fact that this prime minister has run on the idea that, you know, we're going to have electoral reform and then lost the popular vote for the past two elections. Like it, it says it all right there. It's like when the majority of Canadians don't want you in power and yet you're in power, like the Conservative Party won the majority vote. Like I just I think that, that to me, that's the biggest sign of brokenness right there i mean that that to me is hard to swallow that that diminishes my hope is when you look at that and you say when the majority of voting canadians because that's the other part of it too is that people don't get out and vote like that annoys the crap out of me when i see friends of mine or people i know in my circles that are like paul blah. and i'm like did you vote and they're like no i'm like get out of here like, I'm sorry, I, you might have the best point ever, but if you didn't actually participate, you don't get to comment because that's annoying. <laughs> like, You didn't pay, you don't get to play. So and then like people, they're like, they always the response back is like, well, there's nobody to vote for. It's like, exactly. Go up and spoil that ballot. They count those. Like, obviously there's nobody to vote for. Spoil the ballot. But actually get off your couch, show that you're angry enough that you left, stood in line, and marked off that you weren't happy. Because like I said, that actually counts. But anyway, that's well, my, so that's thing, my mini that's rant on I'm voting. <laughs> but yeah, you're I just mean, thought it was funny well, that all those regi- people wanted to regi- go up. Like, That's not how the parliament system works. I'm like, I know. <laughs> that's not the point. <laughs> But anyway, and then crazy. Somebody also pointed well, yeah. out that that was supported by like probably one of the worst conservative members ever. And then like I did some digging, I was like, yeah, you're right on that one. <laughs> she's she's kind of hot garbage.
1: <laughs> Wait, what? What about her? You don't? Do you not like?
2: Oh, if I remember correctly, um, she's been caught in like multiple lies and a couple scandals, and just has not represented, um. Herself well, and what a Canadian politician should be. And so, yeah, I was just like, I was like, oh, I wish a different person <laughs> was attached
1: to this. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Fair enough. I got you. Well, we're at 179,000, and uh which I've, the breakdown is really interesting to me, where you have 67,000 signatures out of Ontario and only 45,000 out of Alberta. Hmm.
0: That is so, interesting.
2: That was interesting. Yeah. You'd think they'd be all over uh, that
1: one. but Oh, yeah. You know it. Anything, anything. Oh, Trudeau's out. Let's get rid of him. <laughs> uh, let's do uh, so, it. But we'll move on to Pierre Polyev's mini doc that he released. I thought this was interesting, mainly because obviously it was called Housing Hell. He kind of does a whole breakdown of what's kind of happened under the Trudeau leadership with our housing here in this country, uh, why people are out on the streets, problems that we're seeing, and very well put together a little I think it was like a 15 minutes yeah um a little mini documentary and it was Pierre Polyev's voiceover and I we tweeted the we, t- we tweeted out about it uh on x where we said that the issue the reason why the liberals are losing is because they 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 continue to prop up legacy media and use legacy media to get their their message out but they do not know how to do social media at all and Pierre Polyev is really good at it. Mm-hmm. And he's he's really t- tapping a lot of like the right, um, hitting all the right controls when it comes to social. And doing this documentary was very, it was very well done. He hits key points that he joked about earlier. He, you know, throws his little uh, one liners in there. Um, you know, he does what he does. But like it was this is the reason why we're seeing the conservative or the polio conservatives really just skyrocketing in the polls is because of stuff like this. Yeah, it was it was really well
2: done. And it's funny because like I found myself one listening to it and feeling like, okay, I feel like I'm actually being educated a bit here. And then two, um, it was funny because I was also at the same time noticing the different elements. Like he was like, you know, Canadians can't afford housing or recreation or food. And so they show like the housing like an average like middle class family home and then when they show the food they show like healthy food and then then they show the recreation they show some kids playing hockey so it's like you're hitting all those canadian like you know values and it's appealing to you know that middle class right and so i was like this was really really well done <laughs> and one of the things, though, that he actually introduced a piece of like proposed legislation in the middle of it, which I thought was really interesting, he called it the dollar-for-dollar dollar law. And that was that when you look at the amount of spending that government has uh, implemented, that they wouldn't implement any new spending um, without matching that dollar in savings. So they would have to cut something in order to justify new spending, and it would be a dollar-for-dollar um law and so i thought that was really interesting i don't know how that would play out in practice but uh
1: it it was fun to kind of throw around and kind of like think about yeah absolutely well i do the thing that's going to come right those are the issue people have like we don't want the conservatives and power because cuts come and they care. they cut everything and no one has anything is that the other and i'm and it's just like i get it it's just a per, like it's just a cycle that continues where the liberals get in they spend like crazy conservatives get in they re- reel it all in and thus why these two parties have these tags attached to them um and at some point like just a responsible government at some point would be nice mm-hmm. um so that we don't be in this like crazy cycle where like yeah like if pauliav goes with this dollar for dollar law that he would like to implement Like that's going to be a lot of cuts. It's going to be ugly on the, like the, uh, or social programs. Um, what's that going to look like? As you said, I don't know. Uh, I think it's important. I think it needs to happen. And I think pain, we need to feel some more pain to get back to where we should be, but it sucks that we have to go through it.
2: Yeah. I don't know if it's so much feeling the pain as it is just like looking at the books and going, where is the money going? Cuz like if we keep looking at like it's this scandal and that scandal and this scandal over here and you're just watching like billions of dollars fly out the door. Like I really don't know if we're going to actually be in for that much pain or if we're just going to see some like actual like prudent spending and good bookkeeping. <laughs> Cuz like right now it's just bad. Like the fact that like through some of their like findings they're just like who okayed the spending and nobody can say who okayed it. Like, and it's funny because like some of these people, I genuinely think that they actually just don't know. (laughs) Like, There's obviously some people who are being creative about how they're answering things, but for the bulk majority of these proceedings, like looking at where money has like literally just walked out the door and it's not government money. It's our money that they're just, you know, throwing to the fire and people are like, yeah, I, I don't, no, I ha- uh, I have to get back on that. And you just see like the wheels turning of like, crap, where did that go? <laughs> it's like, we shouldn't be doing that with millions and billions of dollars.
1: <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's wild. Yeah, I mean, I I think I see where you're coming from on it. But more so, I guess, where I think the pain's going to come. I was like, I agree. We're going to stop this crazy frivolous spending that's happening. Um, but like we have an inflation problem mm-hmm. here and we got to reel that in. And so if we're going to try and re- like try to recover some of these dollars that have just gone missing, um, I imagine there's gonna be some actions taken that are not going to be the most fun to experience.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and it's interesting cause like, I wonder how much of this will be, um, like social programming that just gets completely cut. Um, the different like transfers and, and uh, benefits incentives and things like that that are sent out. Um, I don't know if he would be, I don't know if he would do that to the middle class because that's going to be his voting base. I don't think he'll do it to the upper class because they're the ones with all the money and the power. I think where you're going to see the suffering, I think it's going to be on your lower class and your your working poor. Um, I think that that's who's going to see the, the real hard hit and i also think that he's like i said before he's going to be labeled the austerity prime minister because just like he, you know he's walking into a canada that's so overspent and is feeling such inflationary pressures that there's just going to be no other way other than to to be the austerity prime minister because you just don't have an option it's either going to implode or it's going to be a slow burn
1: so you got to pick one or the other yeah i'd agree with that and i think the funny thing too is we'll touch on is Christian freeland coming out of the woodwork and commenting on pierre poliev's documentary uh saying here's what a real plan looks like to build more homes faster uh and she you know presents her housing action plan and she got ratioed so hard Mm -hmm. uh currently at 966 comments to her 838 likes so yeah good job christian well it's
2: it's funny though because yeah, like Rick. even if you look at some of these like big wins quote unquote big wins that they've been talking about, like I forget how many homes are like six for example, six thousand homes being built, and then you look at that and you're like that's great, and then when you actually break it down it's like it's only you know six hundred homes per year it's like it's not six thousand homes it's actually six thousand homes over ten years it's like that ain't going to help anybody (laughs) like this plan is garbage and the mortgage charter, that's the big one that I'm like, how are they going to do that? Like they're talking about making it, um, you know, they're going to do away with the fees that are associated with breaking a mortgage and like refinancing your mortgage. And I'm like, the banks aren't going to take that sitting down. One, they'll either fight it or two, They'll just put the fees somewhere else so yeah like i don't know man
1: <laughs> <laughs> well what sticks with me to this day is talking to a couple of my uh connections who are a little more wealthy doing pretty well for themselves and i remember asking we we're talking politics and i said you know what's what's typically a good government that you prefer to be in i'm sure it's conservatives for you guys because you know less restrictions and this that the other and they said no we actually very much prefer a liberal government and like and if we were having a really good year we'd love an ndp government Mm -hmm. i was like okay talk to me why (laughs) are you saying that and they and they said well it's because they they throw out money like it's going out of style they tell you where they're investing the money So then you can adjust to make sure you're doing business in those areas to be as close to the money printer as possible. And then we just like fill our pockets. And I was like, gee, that's, that's wild, but great point. And that's why we've seen with this this current government where we've seen big corporations just get so much more rich and just extract wealth from the middle class. Uh, And it's because of these policies. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so that was a little annoying to hear, but I understood at the same time. But what was like? I don't. I want to hear your perspective on this though. Where with Bill C two three four and the controversy coming out of it, talk to me about this. Right. Well,
2: what's wild is that. Um. So the con to for people who don't know, this bill is basically creating a carve out for farmers, um, so that they can actually, um, heat their barns and, um. Are we talking over each other, Josh? I'm sorry. Oh, okay, the video didn't catch up. My bad. <laughs> I just saw you like talking. I heard no sound. I was like, crap, we're talking at the same time. Okay, so what Bill C um, 234 actually does is it creates a carve out out of the carbon tax. So it creates an exemption for farmers um, for their heating oil and heating fuel so that they can afford to keep livestock keep greenhouses keep the methods of food production um, going and so what's interesting though is that the liberal government is purposely picking individuals that are liberal leaning to try and stack the senate against this bill and the conservative government or the conservative members of parliament right now are trying to fight against that and basically say like, no, you're very obviously stacking things so that they will vote against this carve out. And they're like, Oh no, no, we're not. We have a right to elect members and appoint members to the Senate. And that's all we're doing here. And it's like, no, you're literally stacking it. And yeah, I I don't know what you do with that because by law, they're allowed to do this but it's very obviously creating problems where even if you, you think about like a change in government, like let's say you then get a conservative government and then they add a whole bunch of conservative members and stack the Senate against um, the other side. Like it's just, again, what do you do with that?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure out how really how it's working because this is why I do find it interesting is the way our Senate is built is like, yes, there's, appointees where it's like they're conservative senators and there's a liberal senators and then there's like supposed to be apolitical senators as mm-hmm. well. Um and but as you said, whoever's in power can appoint whatever senators they see deem fit. So they can appoint the apolitical senators as well as their liberal senators. Um and it's and, and the problem with our Senate is we don't elect our senators. It's completely a decision made by the governing body at the time. And and that's what we're seeing and what you've talked about at the beginning of the show where with this current government, with this current leader, he has found ways to push the boundaries of everything we hold dear to us in our political system in this country to make sure he has as much power as possible. And yet again, he's exposing another loophole in our system that we have to figure out how to close when he's gone. Mm -hmm. Because this cannot happen again. We cannot have people's wielding power like this so freely. It's not helpful.
2: Yeah, it's funny when you say like things that we hold dear. I don't know if I'd hold the Senate very dear to me. <laughs> like, we... I think they're important. Okay, go off. Tell me, tell me why.
1: Uh, I think it's good to have some checks and balances for what's going through the House of Commons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we had a Senate that could, we did vote in, I think would be really important. Uh, and he's, he talked about, it was really cool that we had a Senate that really foresaw an issue with our genetic information and put a bill forward. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good to have checks and balances of government. I don't think we should have concentrated power. Right. It's interesting because like,
2: I, I get that, but you know, why not have a third Senate then to have even more checks and balances? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is where I I feel like I'm
1: in favor of that. <laughs> no. <laughs> because that's just more money <laughs> I, I i hear okay i hear that i do i, I admittedly i do appreciate the way things work in the the american political system where they have the three branches of government um i i do prefer some version of that where we have just a decentralization of power to some degree where it's not so concentrated um i agree yeah there's an issue where you just fork out a bunch of money to like where things get bigger and more powerful but there's something at least we've had something along those lines where we decentralized power. It would be would mean a lot to me. Yeah,
2: I guess my thought is that like if I could design a better system, like my thought would be get rid of the Senate, get rid of parties in general, and uh, just have an, a House of Representatives that um, are individual. And like you're obviously going to have de facto groups that join together, but I think that it's harder to corrupt um, individuals than it is to corrupt an entire party, right? Like I still, I don't know if I said this on the podcast or with just to friends, but the fact that like party whip is a title, like I did not know that, like I had no idea. Like I always have heard of party whips and I was like, oh, this is just, you know, something you call that person who keeps in like the party in line. Like it's a like a symbolic thing or whatever. I didn't think it was actually like the full on title. And then they're like, conservative house party whip. And I was like, Oh my God, this is actually their job description is to force people to vote the same way. Like that to me just like blew my mind.
0: (laughs) Stay in line. I
2: I didn't realize how little I knew about politics until that moment when I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) this is this isn't a joke like this isn't just symbolic this isn't something we call people this is an actual role title like blew my mind but uh, yeah i just like we need some kind of process for allowing people to vote um with their constituents and not with the party and i don't know if i think that the senate is you know really fulfilling like a really good role I think it was great that they put forward a bill like for the genetic information. I think that it 's great that like, they they do put forward bills that are are in the best interest of Canadians, but I think that we should be expecting that out of our House of Commons um you know we shouldn 't have to expect it out of our Senate like this should be the job of of our elected officials i think is to put forward legislation that reflects the needs and desires of the constituents that voted them in and if they're not doing that then there's a problem i think
1: interesting yeah yeah. i mean i agree with that but like i just from what i've seen over the past several years like i just don't feel comfortable concentrating power that much
2: yeah it's funny i never thought we'd be on a situation where i was arguing for Smaller government. You were agreeing for bigger government. <laughs>
1: there's other parts of the government that we can get rid of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think there's other parts that are important. Uh, you know, I think we should have, you know, a more simple tax system so we can have. I was CRA just agents. thinking
2: that. I was just thinking that. I was like, get rid of the CRA. Make it all digital. <laughs> just get rid of them. <laughs> Abolish the CRA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for that. The fact. Okay, get oh, this. Geez. So, I started my business, and um, because it's through a program where you're on EI, because I, I left my job in the summertime, um, basically through the EI program through the province, um, you start your business and they take over like the distribution of your EI payments. Um, so before, when I was not starting my business, I could log into the CRA online and open up the digital form, submit it all, submit the report online. Now that I have my own business, I have to wait till the CRA sends me a form, I fill it out, put pay for the postage to go on this stupid envelope, mail it to them, wait for some poor mailroom clerk to open it up and send it to the right place, and then somebody to manually enter it in so I can get my EI. Wild, okay? Like, why? CRA, like they need some hefty digitization, and uh, yeah, they can go <laughs> abolish the CRA.
1: <laughs> wow, that would be quite the uh, back-to-back episode titles—two uh, weeks in two weeks in a row. <laughs> uh, let's let's just yeah, take we...
2: apart government and figure out what we don't want. <laughs> yeah actually you know make sure (laughs) this earlier this week i was calling for like abolishing traffic cops so i mean i guess i'm just in the uh, yeah you were throw it all out kind of phase of my life (laughs) wow
1: he's he's feeling it he's feeling fired up oh man like you don't understand
2: well you're taking 20 minutes just sitting in traffic going nowhere like at all just like parked for 20 minutes and you look over and you're like why are we like this and you realize one entire lane is empty and you're like. Why is that entire lane empty? And you look over because a traffic cop is sitting there typing on their laptop, on their computer in the middle of the lane, and everybody has to try and go around them. I was just like,
0: God, that's annoying. <laughs>
2: it's like, if you want to catch people speeding, put up speed cameras. If you want to catch people cheating on their taxes, put in some good software with some good algorithms. We don't need all of these people doing these things. I'm sick of my money going for it.
1: So <laughs> fair enough, man. I get it. <laughs> we out here, dude. Gee. Wow. Now moving from that soapbox, um, <laughs> we are <laughs> going to go into our wildcard segment here. Uh, and uh, it's kind of just a good old, we'll kind of finish things on a lighter note. Uh, but two clips that give off the same type of energy. And some of you guys have probably seen these two clips, but all as I know is it really gave us, you know, a good chuckle
2: two clips that give off the same energy. How do you just put a gas station somewhere? Where do they get the gas? There's grass right there, right? Under that grass, mud. Where's the oil? Listen, don't let me finish. That was not there. There was nothing there but open terrain and land. And they just decided, hey, we're gonna put a gas station here. How do they, how do they put down the gas pumps? And then they just put a wire down, or like a tube down there, and then all of a sudden magical gas pops up? How do they get the gas to take your beanie off and reset you? There's no way that you are this naive to the world. Okay. Well, where's the tub of gas, right? There's huge, huge tanks at the bottom that they built like massive tanks. And every night, maybe not every night, but every night, every other night. So the tanks already there. No, they build the tank. Like you build a swimming pool. Like you're, you're dumb. You don't have a pool in your backyard. It's grass and dirt. You dig a big hole. Then you lay it with concrete.
0: Over the past few years, I've been involved in three separate car accidents involving deer. Mm. Uh, you know, the population and everything. Um, each of these incidents, they've occurred shortly after I saw a deer crossing sign on the highway. Well, my frustration is that Minnesota and North Dakota Department of Transportation would allow... These deer crossings to be in such high traffic areas. I mean, I've even seen them on the interstate. Why are we Mm -hmm. encouraging deer to cross at the interstate? I don't get it. That's such a high traffic area. I mean, you you know, I understand that deer are wild animals and they need to travel across the streets occasionally to survive. And now, of course, to find food. But um, it seems to me that so irresponsible of us allow these deer crossings to be in areas where these deer are so likely to be struck by oncoming traffic. I mean, wouldn't you agree?
1: You know, deer crossings aren't telling deer that it's safe to cross there. It's just more of like an alert for drivers so they know it's like a high deer population.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, man. And you know what, though? What that exemplifies? That exemplifies looking at a problem from your own lens Mm. and so because for her she was like it makes perfect sense that like you know we're encouraging these deer to cross the road it's like no 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 we're crossing the deer's path (laughs) like it yeah it's and then the gas one just kills me when i saw that i watched it maybe five times because i was like no way and the other thing i thought too i was like you know what two guys on a podcast saving each other, educating each other. I think it's great. Like the other guy had no idea that gas stations had gas tanks underneath. <laughs> like now he knows, like, I think it's great. We're out here, we're out here educating each other. We're out here learning together. And
1: sometimes it's pretty funny. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And speaking on that, that trail of thought, I had to kind of get one last little comment in from someone who commented on our video from our episode from last week. Uh, obviously we talked about abolishing the bank of canada and all this and obviously you know i got some people a little fired up at times uh this brother steps on and says this is a perfect example of why not everyone should have a podcast this is riddled with awful takes and it's very clear you have little to no understanding of basic economics and uh and to that i said man you're probably right." <laughs> But that's
2: what we're here for. We're here to learn and have fun along the way. Exactly. <laughs> and also it's like so dude, um w- were you just here to like hate or did you actually have anything to provide that was useful? If not, shut up. <laughs>
1: keep her moving yeah it's it's more so funny because you get people in here who get fired up when they see these things and uh they say it's riddled with terrible takes but they can never give an example of what the takes were and how bad they were uh it's just i just mainly disagree with you and can't really seem to formulate or communicate what my opinion really is so here you go we gotta act out on youtube
2: well i I did get some love for my mustache so that was kind of nice i liked that comment. Somebody on oh, there, right? And they're like, Reg, looking like a proper dad. And I was just like, he showed that to Jen. I was like, see, this is why I got to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not shaved today, but uh, as you can see, it's very, very much gone. But uh, we only have a five o'clock shadow left. So it was a sad day. True.
1: On December 1st. So, but you know, Gee. rest in peace, mustache. <laughs> rest in peace, mustache. Well, dude, we will end it on that one. We are going to do a little bit of a, a different outro for y'all. Um, but this came from uh, one of our listeners who tagged us on TikTok. Cracked us up. We hope it cracks you up. But whatever it is you're doing, whether you be going to work. Growing a mustache. Or just trying your best to understand what's going on this in this world. Whatever it is you're doing, wherever you are, we love you. We're out. Peace.
3: Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to hear it in your pot. You'll owe nothing. And be happy. Ain't got no cash. Ain't got no car. But 24 booster shots in your arm. Owe oh, nothing. Be happy. You can't even buy shit in the store Because of your low social credit score Own oh, nothing Be happy You'll owe nothing And be happy